Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Calder's Calling, AHL News Now's flagship podcast and your premier podcast destination for everything surrounding the American Hockey League. I'm your host for the week, Xander Manning, and I'm joined today by Jay and Corey. How are you guys doing tonight? I'm doing okay. It is dark and cold here, so... Oh, man, you took the words right out of my mouth. That was what I was going to say. I'm just warming <laughs> up here. to be hanging out with friends, though. It's cold and it's dark, but we have hockey to talk about, so it could be worse. You just took the words out of my mouth. I was going to mention the hockey, but anyway, See, we're all on the same page tonight. We are, and that's what matters. But unfortunately, we are without Dina tonight, but as I say, the show must go on. Before we kick things off, I want to remind you all that you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. And that's just where you can listen to us. You can also find us on YouTube, where you can see all of our wonderful faces and all of the videos that we reference throughout the show. If you're currently watching on YouTube, feel free to like, share, and subscribe so you can get every video and episode straight into your feed. I'd also like to thank our show sponsor, Document Doctors. While not on the ice, they can help you and your business optimize and increase your revenue and profits to a bigger slice. Check out documentdoctorsllc.com and don't forget to mention that AHL News Now sent you to them. First off, let's get into our quick hit segment. And we have some discipline issues out in Calgary, I understand. Yeah, they're, they're having a, it's been a big... A big week for Calgary, and not necessarily in in the the good way. Um, Alex Gallant has been suspended for four games. Uh, there was a cross checking incident in a game versus Abbotsford on November twenty sixth. Gallant will miss uh, games on December first, December third, December eighth, and December tenth. So uh, that's big loss for the Wranglers. Um, and just to kind of add to that, uh, Brett Sutter who I believe is the captain over in Calgary. Uh, he's got a lower body injury and he's going to be out week to week. So two different pieces of bad news for the Wranglers. Um, that's two big pieces of their team. So hopefully they, uh, hopefully Sutter's not out for too long and hopefully losing Glant does not impact them uh, super negatively. It's, it's too bad for a team that's doing so well too. Yeah, exactly. It's it's it'll really I think it'll be interesting to see how they do without especially without the captain. Um because this is a team that's on such a good run right now and messing with that like even in the smallest ways sometimes gets a little bit a little bit hairy. You know, like there's a reason that they keep lineups the same when the team is doing well. Missing those guys, they're going to have to plug other guys in those spots maybe move more of the lines around. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how they do um, this weekend against Henderson, who uh, are kind of a little bit on the struggle bus right now, if I um, recall the standings correctly. Corey, I think you got something happier, though. <laughs> yeah, well, we do have a little bit of a milestone to hit in the early stages of the season. The Hershey Bears became the first team to hit 30 points, courtesy of their sixth straight win on Sunday, their second straight 2-1 to decision over the Iowa Wild. Hershey's 15-4-0 start is up there with some of the best um, ever marks for the AHL's uh, longest-tenured franchise with the 2006-2007 team and the 1957-58 team. 
for the most wins through 18 games to start a season. And coincidentally, not so coincidentally, both of those teams either went to the Calder Cup finals or won the Calder Cup. So that always is a nice stat to bode pretty well in the early stages of the season. No guarantees, of course, but through a quarter mark of the season, it's always good to hit that, that kind of milestone. And we'll keep it here in the Atlantic Division here in terms of uh, players being sent to the principal's office. We'll be uh, discussing forward Garrett Wilson of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, who was suspended for one game as a consequence of a roughing incident in a game versus Rochester on November 25th. Uh, Garrett Wilson will miss Lehigh Valley's game on Friday, December 1st in Hartford. Yeah, how bad was that incident? Did you did you watch that at all, Corey? I got to see the clip briefly. I think that it was probably the right call for it. It was a little on the nose, but overall, you know, uh, they, they take so many different factors into consideration with that. I think that one game is, you know, enough of a message to send. Uh, I don't think it was, you know, you, you could, you could have an argument either way for it, I think, but I think that one game is the right number to settle on. Now, like you said, we'll keep it in the Atlantic division. Springfield Thunderbirds set a season high with a seven goal game against the Utica Comets on over the weekend, and not only was it seven goals, it was a seven nothing shutout against Utica, and they had goals coming from six different goal scorers. Now, if that doesn't speak depth, I really don't know what does. And we've been talking a lot about milestones recently, so might as well talk about a few more. Milwaukee Admirals Cal O'Reilly became the fifteenth player to play in nine hundred AHL games in league history. This past Friday, did this as a member of the same franchises he made his professional debut with. Quite impressive there. Syracuse Crunch captain Gabriel Dumont skated in his 700th game, also on Friday. Also another impressive number there. And a milestone taking it back to the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. They welcomed their 2 millionth fan to the PPL Center. Family was treated with a Phantoms premier membership for the remainder of the season and a ceremonial puck drop on the ice. The Phantoms then went on to beat the Rochester Americans five to four. What a great way to spend a Friday night. You know, you walk in and they say, Hey, you're dropping the puck on center ice. <laughs> I know. I wonder like what kind of like, um, warning they got of whether they were just, Hey, it's you, you're number 2 million have a bunch of stuff, come and drop the puck, or if it was, you know, they got an email beforehand saying, hey, you are the two millionth person to buy a ticket, so. um, Or if it was just confetti, like, ah, surprise. Yeah. (laughs) I know I personally would need at least six to eight business weeks to to prepare myself for that kind of thing, so hopefully they weren't, like, too surprised by it. I'd probably need six to eight months to prepare. Just just to mentally prepare, okay, I'm yeah. going on the ice. I don't want to fall <laughs> in front of a bunch of people. Because they rip that Band-Aid off, man. I mean, I'm just be like, all right, let's do this. I'm ready for it. You know, put me on some skates, man. I'm ready to go, honestly. There are, there are two types of hosts on this podcast. Um... <laughs> There's the over-prepare, prepare. Let's, and the uh, let's bring it back to prepare. let's bring it back to the Pacific Division, um, where everyone's favorite whipping boys have uh, broken their winning streak. Uh, the San Diego Gulls beat Chicago Wolves 3-1. to one. They had a 13-game winless streak going. Um, 
after going two, they went two and zero to start the season, uh, beating I believe the Ontario Reign both times. Who are currently sitting uh, second in the division. They've only lost six games all season, uh, and two of those were against the San Diego Gulls. Uh, and then the Gulls decided that they were going to lose the next thirteen games in a row, which oof. Uh, but shout out to them breaking the streak, and shout out to uh, goalie Thomas Chichanek who got his first AHL career start and his first AHL win in the same game. Uh, people will remember uh, Suchanek from, uh, I believe it was the World Juniors, where he stood on his head for, um, I want to say Team Czechia, but I could be wrong about that. I'm going to Google just to make sure real quick. Um, but yeah, he's, he's having a, a great, yes, Czechia. Um, I always like it when guys make their, get their first wins in their debut or like do something co cool in their debut. Like I love a shutout in your pro debut. I think that's real fun. So shout out to, uh, shout out to Sachanek. And I mean, on the, you have to look at the silver lining that with that for the goals though, is three of those losses were in overtime. So they did get some points, but again, it's good to get back in the winning column, of course. And with that, we could get into our stars of the week. Um, I, I'll, I'll go last on this one. Um, why don't we start with you, Corey? Ah, okay, yeah, absolutely. Well, I had two picks for today. I had a hard time kind of settling on just one. I like kind of looking around at different stats and you know seeing what I can pull for you. So I got a couple for you this week, and they're all in the Atlantic Division, since that's why I'm where my niche is uh, right now. But I had to you know, give stick taps to Johnny Brodzinski from the Hartford Wolfpack. I was a little concerned going into the season. They had some changes there. I was kind of wondering, you know, how they'd look coming into this season. You know, it was such a bummer for them to, you know, get swept out of the playoffs after a really great surge to, you know, kind of get into the postseason picture there. But Johnny Brodzinski is no stranger to being a leading scorer at the AHL level. But he has been on fire so far this season. He leads the AHL in its entirety with 25 points in 16 games played. And that factors out to 11 goals and 14 assists. And he's factored in on more than two-thirds of the team's total goal count, which is 63. And, you know, obviously we're not the only ones that are noticing. In fact, we're probably the last ones to notice here on the, on the show as he was called up to the New York Rangers uh, just a couple of days ago. So it was great to see. It's great to see that kind of, you know, production get rewarded with a recall. You know, the Rangers are really a team on the rise and, you know, playing so well here recently. And on the flip side, I had to also give a shout out to rookie Samu Tumala from the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, who is on a tear and one of the top, top rookies in the AHL with nine points in his last five games. That's two goals and seven assists, but nine points in five games as a rookie, you really can't beat that. And, you know, it's no coincidence that the Phantoms have, you know, at least a point five wins in their last six games. And, you know, they've been a team on the rise, you know, all the way up to third in the Atlantic division. I'll go, I'll go next. Um, my, my start is a little bit close to home. Uh, I'm going with Kent Johnson of the Cleveland Monsters. Um, is playing this league on easy mode right now. Um, he has, I think, 15 points in his... He has 15 points in 10 games played so far this season. He's got five points in his last four games. 
And in the one game that he didn't record any points in, uh, he scored maybe the best shootout goal I've ever seen in the AHL. Um, so I, I'm giving him the the star of the week honors honors from me. And uh, I miss him in Columbus, but I'm real excited to see what he's doing in in uh, Cleveland. Obviously, Emil Bemstrom got the AHL Player of the Week uh, from the league. Uh, because he has also been on fire, and those two are just having so much fun playing together. Um, I think that's a really, really good pairing for Cleveland. So you know, I could have, I could have chosen either of them, uh, but in his, he has eight. Uh, Emil Bemstrom has eight points, including six goals in uh, in his last four games. So shout out to shout out to the 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 duo up in Cleveland doing some really fun things right now. That was a very nice goal. I did see that goal. It, it, you want to talk about easy mode. That was easy mode to say the least. Yeah. I feel bad for the goalie. I really do. As a goalie yourself, I imagine you do. Yeah. It gave me hives um, to think about someone doing that to me, but I can respect I can respect a really nice shootout goal, even if I am morally opposed to the concept of goals being scored ever. <laughs> and even though she's not here, Dina did want to include a star of the week. Matt, Matt V. Petrov from ba- the Bakersfield Condors. He scored his first professional goal, and it appears they it spurred the teddy bear toss out in Bakersfield. So props on him. For scoring that goal and on a bit of a more um i wouldn't say a more heavy note but on a sort of off the ice kind of note i wanted to give my two co-stars of the week to sam and will bitten on the thunderbirds and no not because they're on the thunderbirds but because they started a foundation called bitsy's army a few years ago where they try to raise money for brain cancer and they did this after their cousin martin pichet died of brain cancer back in 2021. And so every time that Will or in, now that Sam's in the league, they're auctioning their jerseys off for Hockey Fights Cancer, all the money that they get from that goes towards brain cancer research. And obviously that was this past weekend against Utica. But they also have their own clothing line where all the money from that goes towards the, the Bitsy's army. And also, shout out to Will as well. Will had two goals in that game against Utica. And it was almost as if fate was shining down on him and saying, you're going to score tonight. And it was also just fitting it was the last two goals of the game. Yeah, I mean, that was a great story out of um, out of Springfield over the weekend. You know, anytime it kind of works out that way on Hockey Fights Cancer Night, it makes it a little bit more special, I think. It's always great to see you know, these guys that, you know, have been impacted by it and have these, you know, do these things on and off the ice for it, you know, especially with such a great story, the Bitten brothers playing together in Springfield this season. That was really cool to see. It was, it was nice to see that you could tell they were both, you know, visibly touched by it when the goal was scored. You know, they, they knew the significance of it when it happened and it makes it, you know, all the more special to kind of see that happen on the ice and, you know, it resonates through the stands and through the league as we've seen. And also an honorary star for me, I have to say, is goes goes to Dylan Coughlin, Coughlin of Springfield. He had an open shot at the net, 
but he saw Bitten by the net and said, nope, I'm going to give it to you instead. And uh, that to me just shows the selflessness of Coughlin on the ice. Yeah, these guys know. These guys know, definitely. They they definitely know what's going on. You might ask them after the game, oh, did you know? And they'll say no, but they definitely know. Speaking of the Atlantic Division, I understand you have some thoughts, Jay. Yeah, my my initial thought is um, what the heck is going on in the Atlantic Division? Um, Because it feels very much like, so last season, I believe, the North Division, every single team in that division finished with a a record over 500, um, which is bonkers. And it looks like the Atlantic Division might be heading the same way. Uh, Currently, Every the top seven teams in the Atlantic are all over 500 right now. Um, and you've got a feel for team for teams like Charlotte and Providence, who uh have you know, uh, Charlotte is 10 and seven and is seventh in the division, Providence is eight, eight, one, and two, and is uh, sorry, Charlotte is sixth in the division, Providence is seventh in the division. The Bridgeport Islanders are the only team under 500. Um, which is just a, a wild stat. Um, Providence is 19th overall in the league and second off the bottom in their division. Um, and obviously you guys probably can speak more to, on this than than I can because you cover teams in that division. But like, what the heck is up with the Atlantic? Is it just that the teams are all close together and they don't have like travel issues? Um you know, they're not sitting on a bus for long periods of time. Like, so, I, you know, do you guys have any thoughts on um, what the heck is going on at the Atlantic and why it's so good this season? I'll let you start, Corey. I got a lot of thoughts, but you can just start on this one. All right. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, I, I think it's just the parody is really good in the Atlantic. And, you know, you see a lot of these teams that play each other often. You know, I, I know from my side of things, it's, you know, Hershey and Lehigh Valley and Wilkes-Barre and, there's been a good healthy mix of Bridgeport in there as well. The good teams are finding ways to win a lot of games off each other so much so that you're seeing some of these teams with, you know, pretty good records, like, you know, the Providence's, the Charlotte's, the Wilkes bears, you know, they're at 500 or just above it. And, you know, it's a surprise. And, you know, it's honestly at this early stage, like a justification for the playoff format, of course, allowing six teams to, you know, officially make it, you know, even if they kind of had to play that, you know, that little bit of a play in round there, but it just makes that, you know, those standings points more valuable. But the one thing I'd like to, you know, also mention is that this race is still really tight. You know, even though Providence is in seventh, they're a two-point differential, you know, a win and a loss by another team away from jumping up as high as third. So, you know, it, it to me seems to be a little bit of an indication that, you know, hey, we're probably in for a battle all the way down to the last, you know, days of the regular season. It's good to get your points in now type of thing to – you know, build up a winning streak, but it's also, you know, a little finicky too. I mean, you know, you've seen Lehigh Valley. We talked about them a little bit earlier. They've been on a run where they've gone five Oh and one in their last six games. That's enough to lift anybody from a basement spot into a, you know, playoff spot or, you know, some really good territory as they currently occupy third place. So, you know, obviously we're getting a little bit of ahead of ourselves talking about, you know, playoff seating and all that stuff. We're only at the quarter point in the season, but I think it's just some really good parody that's showing early on this season. And, you know, maybe some teams are, you know, really splitting their series with each other down the middle. Yeah. It feels a lot like this league, this, this division is like the Thunderdome of 
the AHL. You know, um, there was a couple of seasons ago where that was the Pacific Division. Um, and, you know, going into that, you had to face the Wranglers and the Ontario Reign and the Eagles, um, all of whom were just murdering teams left, right and centre. So it feels a little bit like that, but more. Um, it, it's obviously very early. These teams are extremely close together, like you said. Seventh place and third place are two points ahead against, are uh, two points separated. And it's not even like Hershey, which is on a who's on a really good run at the minute. Like they're they're at thirty points on the season, but Hartford is only four points behind them, and they've got a game in hand. So it's not even like someone is running away with the division. It feels extremely plausible that um, you know a team like Wilkesbury or Wilkesbury Scranton could go on a hot streak and and end up in that number one spot. So I think it's I think it's fun when hockey's like that. It's fun when all of the teams are kind of in a similar position. Um, I think it's boring when the league is won in November, you know? I, I think another thing to point out about this that we're not really discussing is the teams in the Atlantic haven't really played each other other as much as you would think. Like, they're local, and sure, they, they play each other some, but Hershey's played, what, four games in the last few weeks against Iowa? And Springfield's been playing Rochester. They've been playing Utica. They've played a few games against the Atlantic, don't get me wrong, but they're not playing each other constantly as much as they have in past. And uh, they're... It's just... I will say, Xander, one counterpoint to that is that the Bears played Iowa after spending the last month playing just Lehigh Valley, Wilkes-Barre, and Bridgeport. So, yes and no, honestly. It was nice to see somebody else this weekend. Well, it, it, again, I will. that's a good point, but I will say, it's four teams that you've played in the last month. It's it's not necessarily saying, all right, well, we played Lehigh Valley, then we played Springfield, then we played Hartford, and then we played Bridgeport, and then we went back to Lehigh Valley, and then we went to Wilkes-Barre Scranton. It's not a variety of teams, and you can't really get a variety of point differential when you're playing basically the same teams over and over, or a variety of teams. There's no middle ground between these teams, I've found. Yeah, I agree with that. It's it is an interesting point that you know some of the I you know it'd be worth studying the schedule variety here a little bit between the teams. You know, there's some teams I know like you know for instance just being the Hershey guy, you know the Bears really haven't seen Hartford, Springfield, you know, and they don't see those teams very much this season. We you know they played Providence twice back at the beginning of the season, and they don't hardly see them. You know, it's six out of six times in total. You know, it's uh, an interesting study i think to analyze some of these schedules and you know i know when the bears and the wolf pack play at least at this point you know that's kind of look like looking like like you know a playoff preview possibly just kind of like how hershey and providence was a season ago and they were the you know heavyweights one and two in the division there and they ended up not playing each other of course but it is an interesting study to see you know who's kind of uh you know once we see more variety here you know we'll start to weed some of these teams out and see who's for real and who's for not. And I don't want to spoil my entire segment, but mine's a, a little bit of a round table discussion on that very topic. Oh, I will keep my thoughts. Um, I have more thoughts on this, but I will keep that. Um, I will, I will keep that for later. Um, I'm just, I, I super interested in, um, Oh, maybe I will. Maybe I will talk about it now. It's it's more relevant to this topic than your topic, I think. How do you? How would you guys feel if they switch to like an NHL type schedule of you play everyone in the league, 
and you have, you know, you have your five games against your division opponent, you have four games against conference opponent, and then two, uh, one home and one away against the other conference. Obviously, that's a lot of travel. It's a lot of money that AHL teams don't have. But like, would you prefer that to um, something more like what they do at the minute, which, as I understand it, is mostly just teams decide where they want to travel to and then work it out like that? I think, first of all, my background just describes how I feel about that. It's a bit of a scary thought. I'm not going to lie. But I I like it. I don't know why it hasn't been proposed yet. Of course, money, like you said, money and travel is a bit of an issue, but I think it definitely gives you like that flavor of who you could face in the Calder Cup finals. Let's say if you are like in a position like Hershey and you have to travel all the way to Coachella Valley, like if you had done that last year, be like, oh, it's a rematch from January 17th or, oh, it's a rematch from two months ago. And you know the team already. And it's not as much of a strange factor as, okay, well, I got to figure this out. And, oh boy, the series is going seven games because we're just starting to figure each other out. I I think I'd take it the other way on this one is that I, I would I would say middle ground is favorable to me because, uh, you know, getting the matchups in like Iowa is a really good test, like how the Bears played them, you know, a couple games this past weekend. It was good for both teams. You know, there's... I know that, you know, the Iowa broadcaster, for instance, had never been to Hershey Park Arena, which is a, you know, a great classic old venue to be in for morning skate and practice and all that good stuff. But the thing that I find with the NHL scheduling is that you lose that familiarity and that contempt that makes some regular season games really compelling at times. Like, I know, like, I'm a, you know, obviously a big Philadelphia Flyers fan. It feels like when they play Pittsburgh, you know, it's kind of like, eh, you know, we haven't seen them at all this season. Like, it, it feels like those regular season matchups don't mean quite as much when you're not playing each other enough for any contempt to really set in. You know, you think back to the year, like, 2012, when the, they played each other in the playoffs. There was a lot of buildup to that series in the regular season because the two teams had a few, like, you know, line brawls some stuff really broke out, and it carried over into a playoff series. With this one, although I think it's good because, you know, you get to have some measuring stick games against some other teams. I do kind of like that familiarity of saying like, hey, like, you know, Providence and Springfield, for instance, like they're two pretty good rivals. You know, them, you know, those two teams in the Wolfpack are pretty fierce rivals that detest each other. I think there's almost as much value in playing those teams and kind of going through those tough battles against teams that despise you as much as you despise them type of thing has its own value there as well. So I, I think I'm a little bit of a middle ground guy. I think it's good games to have you know, especially coming off of playing the same three teams for about a month span. A um, little over that, but, you know, I think it's some good middle ground is a good argument for me there. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's an interesting thought experiment, I think. I don't know how um, viable it is for this league. Well, you proposed the question, Jay. What, what do you think? I I would like it, but that's because I like watching. I mean, I like watching hockey. I like I I get excited. Like uh, I like to watch teams that I haven't seen before as well. So like when I was in San Jose at the start of the season, they played uh, Rockford, and I was like, oh cool, this is a team I've never I've never seen before. Um, the Texas Stars were in town last season while I was in San Jose. Um, obviously they've just had Charlotte in town. Uh, I think I think it's fun. I think it's fun when you get to play a team that you're not super familiar with. Um, I think especially coming from someone who covers the Pacific, where it is just why, for the love of God, are we playing 
Coachella again. Why are we playing Bakersfield again? I've seen the Bakersfield Condors 800 times this season. I would love to see literally anyone else, you know? Um, so I get that it's difficult for the league, but I think it would be fun if, you know, there would be more kind of parity in the in the schedule. I, I would enjoy that, but I understand that it's not super realistic for the league right now. I mean, it was definitely fun, I will say, when I was covering the Thunderbirds after they went to the Calder Cup and they had three straight weekends of Western Conference opponents come to Springfield. It was definitely interesting to see Rockford coming to town, Grand Rapids coming to town. And you see, like, okay, so this is what Western Conference hockey is like. And I'm sure they see on the other side of it, oh, so this is what the Eastern Conference is like. And it's not just Grand Rapids playing their typical Eastern Conference team like Toronto. Or, like, then Springfield had Milwaukee come in. It's like, okay, well, they're kind of like Rochester, but they're not in the same conference. I have one small gripe as a hockey consumer, and this is an East Coast problem. Time zones. When the Bears were in <laughs> Coachella Valley, as much fun as it was to experience and all that stuff, I was tired of staying up until one in the morning for most of those buddy, games. Buddy. <laughs> are, you t- are you talking to me about time zones right now? Are you actually, are you actually talking to me about time zones I right now? I was... I maybe slept for like three hours after they won the Calder Cup and came back and all that stuff. And it was like, I, I said at game seven, I'm like, at least I know one way or another, this is the last time I have to to do this for right now. So, you know, I, I'm sure it's probably harder for you than it is for me, of course. But that was one of those things where I'm like, I won't mind playing Wilkes-Barre and Lehigh Valley so much during the regular season for my own sanity's sake. I'm sure that was partially adrenaline after they won the Cup, though. So that's probably why you only got three hours of sleep. And also because I stood in line to buy merch, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> I knew there was more to the story than you were telling. They had those boxes. They had the boxes of the merchandise in the corner since game six. And I was like, I need to know what's in there. I need to know what it looks like. Come on. It took all until, you know, about 1.15 a.m. for me to find out, basically. So I uh, wouldn't trade it for the world, of course. But, you know, it was one of those things where... Those those nights and, you know, we stay up for, you know, we're all NHL watchers as well. You know, I stay up for, you know, a couple times a year for the when the Flyers go out west there, too. Flyers after dark is a thing and I love it. But, um, you know, keeping it a premium, I think, is my big thing. Okay. Well, before we move on to our next segment, I have some more to share about our sponsor, Document Doctors. Is your business growing beyond the four walls of your office? As businesses grow, so do the challenges of keeping people trained, safe, and supportive. Document Doctors, a proud sponsor of the Calder's Calling podcast and AHL News Now, offers affordable solutions to help optimize your business and keep the good times rolling. They offer content-focused solutions such as training document creation, back office process optimization, policy and procedure development, and much more. Support the podcast and AHL News Now by visiting them at documentdoctorsllc.com. And don't forget to mention us when talking to their team of contentologists. Shop and support small businesses today. So, Corey, what, are you, what do you have to talk about today? Well, kind of piggybacking a little bit off of what Jay started here, but I noticed a trend. I was looking around. I was really you know, thinking to, I wanted to do a segment that kind of, I could open up to you guys to talk about a little bit more than just me rambling here for a little bit. But 
one of the things that I wanted to ask is who's hot and who's not and who's for real and who's not for real. And I bring this up because one of the kind of points that came out of the Bears series against the Iowa Wild is that both these teams, these games were very close. And, you know, Todd Nelson mentioned after the game that he felt that the Iowa Wild were a playoff team and they're going to get it sorted out. And, you know, they're going to, you know, obviously, you know, hopefully go on a run there was his line of thinking there. But you wouldn't have guessed that looking at their stat line sitting fourth in the Central Division at 6-9-1-1. So my thinking was you have some teams that are very hot and their record reflects that currently. You know, Hershey, Hartford, Cleveland, Syracuse, you know, Texas, Calgary, Ontario, just a few names that I kind of pulled them. Like these teams are pretty hot to start the season. And obviously, as I believe we're going to discuss a little bit more, there are more than a few teams that are not, of course. But I want to open up to you guys. Who do you think is for real? Like who the top contender is in your mind and who's maybe, you know, on the verge of a breakout and who's just not going to be there at all? And we can obviously save a little bit of the discussion. I think, Xander, you have a good point to bring up about one of those teams that's not. But uh, just some thoughts on the early season standings as we hit the quarter pole mark of the season. I was I was just curious to hear that he thought that Iowa was a playoff team, but not necessarily any strong thoughts. Just a interesting assessment there. Um, I I know you didn't mention him here, but I I gotta say if everything continues to go as planned, I think Spring, Springfield's for real here. I'm not trying to be a homer when I say that. Not trying to say it because it's my team, but they've got depth on their team. They have a lot of players who can make the plays when it counts. Their goaltending is starting to heat up right now. I mean, Madame Jarenko had a 33-save shutout against Utica. I mean, I know it's Utica. I mean, we can say all we want that Utica's down towards the bottom of the standings in the north, but they have a team that can score in all aspects of the game. They have good defense. They have good forwards. They, they've got good step. They've got depth in goaltending. And I think they're a team that can climb up the rankings. And as you alluded to earlier, Jay, the, the Atlantic division is a mess right now. We don't know who's going to take that division. And I don't think they're going to overtake Corey. I don't think they're going to overtake Hershey, Corey. I'm not going to go as far as saying that. But I, do, I would not be surprised in the slightest if they were to climb up to that number three, number four spot. Right now, they are. And of course, I mean number three or four in seeding. Not number three or four in the division because they are number four in the division right now, if I remember correctly. Let me just look at that. Yes, they are number four in the division right now. I mean, 10, 8, and 1 is not a stellar record by any stretch, but I think they do have a chance to climb up this, the rankings at least a bit. I, I again, a little bit of a homer. Uh, Cleveland feels legit to me. Um, Cleveland had a, a really good start last season that was derailed first by everyone in Columbus getting injured. And then everyone that was left in Cleveland got injured. So they were playing just like the, the most janky, like messed up roster for huge sections of the season. Goaltending was a nightmare because it was up and down, up and down. No one knew what was going on. Um, Turns out consistency is a good thing for hockey teams, especially one that's got a, a lot of young players and developing players on. Who could possibly have seen that coming? You know? She, uh, never would so I, I think Cleveland is the real deal. In terms of uh, surprises, um, 
Coachella Valley is having a real Calder Cup final hangover. Uh, they are seventh in the Pacific Division. Um, they are nine and six uh, on on the season. Um, and like they're doing okay, but for a team that was so good last season and a team that you know was a goal away from the Calder Cup, I was surprised to see them down down in the bottom of the, or the bottom ish of the uh, of the Atlantic Division, not the Atlantic Division, the other one, the other ocean, the Pacific Division. <laughs> Yeah, that was kind of my my thought with some of this was, you know, it was just fun to kind of, you know, deep dive into some of the standings that we we saw here. You know, you see some teams that you feel bad for in the early portions, like the, you know, the Bridgeports of the world, the, you know, feel bad again for Andrew Rinaldi, his teams, the Grand Rapids Griffins and the Chicago Wolves are, you know, again, at the cellar of the Central Division. And, you know, obviously you have some of your teams that maybe aren't surprises, San Diego goals of the world, perhaps, you know, that are struggling out of the, off the, off the bat here. It seems like there's some teams that are just absolutely feasting and some that are absolute famine. And you're kind of, you know, left worried if you're any team really is, you know, is this a fluke? Is this for real? You know, I, I think that standings battle is always interesting this time of year to kind of see where everybody's at is now you can't say, Oh, give them a couple more games. They'll be fine. You know, I'm as someone who said that about, you know, a couple of teams here and was both proven right and proven wrong. Um, you know, you're sort of the part where you have like a measurable sample of saying, what's this team's identity? You know, what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? You know, it, you know, you can't count anybody out just yet. But there's a couple of teams that I almost feel like you can start counting out in a sense. Like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm dogpiling on with San Diego, but, you know, there's some teams that have just been that bad. And it's, you know, sometimes I hate to say sometimes, you know, the what's the word that I'm thinking? Of? I can't think of too many teams that are you know going to fall in the toilet, come out with a new set of clothes on, you know, before all is said and done this season. I mean, it, there are just and then there are some teams that just came out of just came out the gates running. Like you mentioned Hartford. I that's another team. As much as I hate to admit it, I think they're for real this year as well. I mean, they've had call-ups galore so far this season, but it doesn't seem to affect them very much either. They seem to have another, that seems to be another team with depth. And even in, they even went through a stretch where they had they had both of their goalies called up to the NHL. And you'd think, oh, they're not going to survive that. They got to call someone up from the East Coast League. Nope, they survived. And they thrived, if anything. So, I'll, I'll put Hartford on my list as well. Yeah, and, uh, you know, bouncing back to the Atlantic a little bit, one of the teams that kind of sparked this thought in me a little bit as well was the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, who, you know, they're in third place right now. Obviously, we just talked about how much of a mess the Atlantic division really is. But this is a team that, you know, they were looking pretty much, you know, a contender for the bottom of the division. But now, all of a sudden, they go on the streak where they win five games you know, points in six, you know, of those in that span there, you know, it's amazing what one really good streak can do, but I, I tend to think they may be more for real than we give them credit for. I mean, they were without a goalie for the entire portion of, you know, two goalies, even at a certain point, they just got Felix Sandstrom back. They were really relying. There was at a point where, you know, the Reading Royals, their ECHL affiliate were literally had zero goalies for a little bit, just because of, you know, being totally decimated by the Flyers recalls, um, you know, all you know, I think it's uh, you know, I'm trying to think of all the names of the, obviously we talked about Tumala 
Um, Ollie like sell has been really good there as well. So, you know, there's some guys that, you know, they're really underrated perhaps. And, you know, it's just getting that right matrix of guys together. You know, obviously once we see some more variety competition, we'll maybe have a better picture, but for now there's some very interesting storylines and very interesting teams to kind of follow along this season. And I wanted to bring attention to that. Well, Corey, you, you touched on it and I, I got to touch on it again. Here. And I said it at the beginning of the season, and I'm going to say it again. I think the Chicago Wolves experiment has failed. And I think it has failed miserably, unfortunately. Like like you mentioned, second to last in the division, and the second to last in the league, even, too. And the only thing that separates them from the goals is one point. One measly point is all that separates the two. Um, and they're four, nine, one, and one. And I, I know they're trying to build some sort of like fantasy hockey roster this season, have a bunch of good players, have them not get called up, but you need the guys to get that NHL experience, to get that experience against higher caliber play and not just be building their stat line and not be building that, fun feeling of, oh, we're winning, oh, we're going to do good, but that's all fun and well until you're not winning, and I, I feel bad for the guys on the Wolves at this point, frankly. I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, you know, uh, again, shout out to Andrew Rinaldi, I feel bad for him, is it's, you know, between the Griffins and the Wolves for, you know, the seller of the Central Division there, uh, again, which is, you know, a shame to see. But, you know, last time we talked about this on the podcast, I think, you know, the I, I remember saying, you know, give it a little bit of time and, you know, kind of in the same vein as what I was talking about with, uh, with some of these other teams here. We've given it time and I think it's kind of shaking out for what we maybe suspected it to be at this point. You know, obviously they're not totally dead and buried here, you know, 10 points. You know, they have two games in hand on a team like Iowa to, you know, perhaps climb as high as fourth place. But, you know, there's definitely been some significant separation there. And, you know, like you said, in the AHL nowadays, having those quality young players, prospects, some veteran players that, you know, these NHL teams want to have, you have to have that matrix to be able to really build a contending AHL roster in addition to being able to good supply for an NHL affiliate. And not having that has kind of been a burn in a sense. And, you know, it seems like they've gotten a little chummier with, Carolina here over the last couple of weeks and months, maybe, you know, we saw some amicability with some players coming from Carolina to Chicago, at least at a certain point, uh, whether that's a flash in a pan situation or, you know, hopefully maybe signs of improving relationships uh, maybe is a whole other internal topic for them to discuss. But, you know, that's something where I don't, I think you're kind of seeing that that's an obsolete way of thinking in the AHL these days. Yeah, and to just kind of just follow on from that a little bit, you talk about how, you know, yes, we're still early in the season, but, and obviously things can change. This is not what the standings are going to look like at the end of the season, but we're, what, two months in, near enough? I think this is probably, for better or worse, what most teams are. There's, there's a chance that Chicago will pick up a little bit, but I'm not expecting it. Um it's 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 a really weird situation and and i agree i think 
everyone behind the scenes has been working uh, really hard to try and get Carolina and Chicago to be on the same page again. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a, a interesting photo finish, I think, for the bottom of the of the division. But also, like the central division is kind of a mess in general. Like their leading team, the Texas Stars, would be. Um, fifth in the Atlantic division, fourth in the North division and sixth in the Pacific division. You know, it's going, going back to kind of what we were talking about earlier about the, it's like the opposite of the Atlantic division. You know, the central division is kind of, you can kind of walk in there and expect a win. I feel like there's no, there's no real teams in there that I look at and I'm like, Oh yeah, no, these guys are going to be a problem for, you know, any semi-competent, AHL team, which, you know, your opinion may vary on which AHL teams are semi-competent and which are not, but I think this might be a case of Chicago is just the worst of a really bad group of teams right now. I, I sure as hell hope that they're getting more chummy with with Carolina. I mean, just, just look at the people that Carolina has sent down or they have had the opportunity to have in the NHL this season. I mean, if Carolina had Chris Terry this season, they could be having a much better season. And if Chicago had Dylan Coughlin on their team, maybe Chicago would be having a better season. And it's a real shame that they were not on the same page to start out the season. And you almost wonder, you know, which teams could be, you know, obviously we don't get to watch every team in the AHL play every single game, but just kind of like the Lehigh Valley uh, situations going on where they've kind of overcome some early woes to string together a few wins here. It'd be interesting to see if one team does really catch that, that fire and burn, but going back to Chicago, you know, you don't have even that hope, you know, what you have is what you're probably going to get, you know, like we kind of talked about. So that would be my kind of concern is if I were a Chicago Wolves fan, it's kind of like, Oh, this is it. You know, you're kind of know what you're in for and, you don't really have a ton of hope that even, you know, the right guys getting healthy and all that stuff, you know, will really help you at any point. And, you know, there's some teams, you know, we've all had seen our teams go through these years where, you know, you almost say, I don't think that any help that you could possibly get from up top is going to save this group. I've seen it before. I'm sure you guys have seen it before. Um, you know, with Chicago, maybe this is just the kick in the pants. They need to say, Hey, we need to, you know, change our ways and be a little bit more amicable or, you know, risk even having something more embarrassing like you know perhaps even losing a franchise maybe i don't you know i don't know how that works to be honest with you but you know you wonder how long the league is going to want to put up with it honestly yeah i think chicago is realizing that maybe you can be a winning team and a developing team at the same time and they took all of the load-bearing development out and it's it's like it's been tough for them to field a team i feel like because the majority of ahl players will have NHL contracts, you know? So it felt like they were fighting a losing battle even from the start. They, like a team of, a team of Carolina's AHL players would probably be the Wolves right now. I, I probably. Mean, I think Chicago's starting to realize that. I think Chicago kind of just acted like a kid that didn't want to share its toys at the beginning of the season. It's like, no, I'm not going to share my toys with you. And then one of the toys broke and they're like, crap, I don't want it anymore. <laughs> and now they're starting to say, all right, I'll share. That's fine. I understand. 
Yeah, it makes it a little tough. I mean, you know, this is not. Yeah, it's a situation where it's like, you know, if one of the wheels breaks down or, you know, the air goes out of a tire, you know, they can figure something out. You know, you've, we've seen plenty of times an NHL team making a trade midseason that you if you were just exclusively watching the NHL, you'd say, oh, hey, like this trade means nothing to me. But for an AHL fan, you're like, you know, you're like, this is awesome. You know, we got rid of a you know piece that didn't make sense. And, you know, you get another really strong piece on the NHL contract to you know, to fill that void. Sometimes it, you know, it really fits, but then there's sometimes where you really look at it and you say to yourself, I don't think that anything can save this. You know, I can think of a couple of bears teams where I said, I don't know that much can save this, this team from either not making the playoffs or, you know, getting bounced in the first round as it happened a couple of times. Uh, I think that it's just going to be a situation where, you know, this is really going to give their whole management, you know, I don't know if their attendance numbers are taking a hit as a result, you know, what, what the vibe is out there, so to speak. And, you know, I'm sure if we go read some stuff that Andrew Rinaldi has posted for us content wise here, we could probably get a sense of that vibe, but there's some times where, you know, it's a sinking ship in a sense, there's a hole in it and there's not really too much that can patch it. Unfortunately. The only thing I could think of that might, be able to save them at this point is an AHL trade. Maybe just go to another AHL team's GM and say, hey, I'll offer you this piece and maybe give me something. But rarely do you see that happen, but I I guess I'm just an eternal optimist. But it's a quality thing. You know, it's not that quality. You know, obviously you have to give up something to get something, but if you have a a bad fit, like, you know, we, we saw them, trade a couple of guys to Wilkes-Barre for, and the only thing they got in return for that was future considerations. You know, the, the bargaining power is just not at its peak. You know, you have some good guys there like Chris Terry, but you really don't want to give up Chris Terry to not get Chris Terry in return type of thing. So that, that's the only thing that would concern me about those prospects at that point. Well, I guess that will do it for this week's edition of Calder's Calling. <clears throat> If you'd like to check out our written coverage of the AHL, check us out online at ahlnewsnow.com. You can follow us on Twitter at ahlnewsnow. Please also subscribe and rate our podcast. Also share it with your friends, family, neighbors, mailman, UPS driver, anyone you think of that would like hockey. Maybe your coworkers too. I think they like hockey too. Finally, we'd also like to extend a final thank you to our sponsor, Document Doctors. Until next week. Stay classy, AHL fans, and we'll see you next week.